Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. I'm your host, SK Vaughn. This is a community of women supporting women. Each week, we'll hear from ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We'll cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you're a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. So buckle up, girlfriend. Let's do this. So Emily Bailey works as the product director for blockchain technology at Change Healthcare, a leading data analytics company in healthcare based in Nashville, Tennessee. She directs the company's adoption strategy for decentralized technology and its application to healthcare, claims and payments, consumer engagement, and clinical data. Emily has been investing in Bitcoin since 2013 and began her career in cryptocurrency at BitPay in Atlanta as a marketing director. She has developed subject matter expertise in marketing, business development, and product development for blockchain technology across a variety of industries and international markets. She graduated from the University of Alabama in 2012 and currently lives in Nashville, Tennessee with her husband and toddler. Welcome, Emily. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm really excited you're doing this, this podcast and being able to share my, uh, my crazy journey. So thanks for inviting me. Of course. Yes. I'm so excited that you're here. So I always do this with the podcast. I think it's a fun way to kind of begin and just kind of get the ball rolling here. Um, I like to start off with how are you surviving this week and how are you thriving this week? Because hashtag Thriving Thursday is something that we really believe in here at uh, the Ladies Who Leave podcast. So I'll just go first as you're starting to kind of think through that. Um, this week for myself, I'm surviving. Um, so in the last couple of months, I'm trying to fill two positions. So I'm doing a digital marketing position as well as a project manager position for my marketing team. So currently I'm wearing many, many hats, right? And so just trying to cover my bases with three different positions has been really interesting the last couple of months and just given me really creative opportunities to learn and grow and stretch myself. Um, how am I thriving this week? Um, well, I think it's the little random acts of kindness that we can do for other people. I'd had a really interesting week where it just like felt like nothing was really going right. Um, unfortunately, some deadlines weren't getting met. And so I was a little bit frustrated. And so in true SK fashion, I decided to go to my happy place, right, which is anthropology. And so I walked in for lunch and just looked around and just absorbed all the beautiful colors and curated space. And I came back to my surprise, one of my team members went out of their way and had picked flowers from her front yard and put them in a vase. And it was just so beautiful and thoughtful. And it completely changed my entire perspective the rest of that day and on through the week. And so I think it just goes to show like just little random acts of kindness that we can do for others just really uh, makes that difference. So that's how I'm currently surviving and thriving this week. What about you, Emily? Yeah, I can definitely relate to the... Uh the the sense of peace of wandering through anthropology and, and getting your visual aesthetics in. Um, I would say, you know, I'm surviving this week uh, for for my company. Uh, the the end of the fiscal year is actually in March. So all of the year end financial planning that a lot of people do in December uh, is we do in March. So we've been doing a lot of our um, kind of closing of the books and then looking at budget for the next fiscal year. So the last couple of weeks have been um, 
I'm pretty intensive as we, you know, navigate, uh, navigate the new year. Uh, and, and so for me, uh, just kind of trying to stay on top of that, I'm not really a spreadsheet person. And so I've had to kind of get out of my comfort zone and talk to a lot of people and ask for help, uh, to, to make sure that my, my, my ducks are in a row. And then how am I thriving? Well, um, I guess during this period of time, I, you know, it's kind of a, a there's a little bit of a waiting period too, while you're um, kind of waiting on uh, finance and accounting to get back, to get back in touch with you on, on certain things. So in, in the meantime, while, while we're waiting for, um, for those types of conversations, I've been, you know, spring cleaning, uh, taking my mudroom apart, uh, putting uh, my Christmas tree away this weekend. Um, I love it. And uh, just my house in order for the spring. So um, nothing like the last minute to take your Christmas tree down, but we felt like uh, the changing of the seasons was a good enough time to uh, bring that in. I love that. It's so funny. I still have Santa's legs dangling in my fireplace, unfortunately. So uh, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, we just thought, you know, we could we could really uh, extend the joy for a few more months. So. Right. It's been that kind of year. So I think we all deserve that. Exactly. So let's go back to the beginning, right? So really tell us your story from, you know, beginning from graduation to within the tech industry. How did you get to where you are today? Oh, yeah. Well, it's it was crazy, I guess, from my perspective, this was kind of crazy. I so my, my major was in international relations, and I always thought that I would go into something policy related. Maybe uh, I would work for the State Department or, um, or, or even go into politics. Um, my, my goal with that was that I really wanted to, I really wanted to focus my time on things that had a human impact and could really help the world transition from an analog society to a more interconnected society that can leverage all the technology that has um, been brought forward, I suppose. I wasn't really thinking about tech as a career focus for me, just more um, the human impact of having access to information and being able to uh, participate in a, in a global uh, online marketplace, for example. Um, so when I graduated, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Uh, I, I decided I had a professor kind of wisely recommend that I not pursue a career in policy and politics. He, he basically told me my senior year, you know, on, on that type of track, it would take a really long time to get to where you needed to go to make an impact and that I would be better off pursuing a career in tech or finance. And um, I was so deflated by that because... I didn't have an educational background in tech or finance. So I uh, was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just figure this out. And then around that time, my, um, my boyfriend at the time, uh, who is now my husband, um, he, he, he was getting into Bitcoin. He has a background in finance. He, he just sort of found Bitcoin online. This was around 2012. And, and he was just researching it then. And then he got really into it and um, was talking to me about it all of the time. And, and I went with him to a conference in 2013 and he had asked me to go with him because there were no other women 
there uh, at these conferences where people were talking about Bitcoin. And I, uh, I went with him to Atlanta just to kind of see what it was all about. And, and I had a bit of a, an epiphany, I guess. I, I realized that as a technology, there's a lot of promise that Bitcoin has, um, a lot of empowerment that it can bring uh, people who don't participate in the financial markets today, the underbanked population. I saw it as a way to kind of have uh, a sense of freedom online. And I was really inspired by that. And, um, and, and that was a really early time for the Bitcoin industry that it was still a very small industry. And maybe I was in the right place at the right time, but I invested uh, a little bit of my savings into Bitcoin and, uh, and, and used my earnings from that to, uh, to kind of navigate my way through the industry. I traveled to conferences all over the world and eventually uh, found myself, uh, you know, introduced to the people at BitPay, and I and I, you know, convinced them to hire me. So uh, I got my first job in in the Bitcoin industry uh, around that time. I kind of uh, had to hustle my way into into the industry, especially back then. You know, nobody was hiring marketing directors. It was all software developers and um, designers and, and technical folks, but. Um, I, uh, I kind of made a case for myself and, and that's how, how I got started on, on that journey. <laughs> I love that. That's really, really cool. So you throw out the word Bitcoin a lot and we hear that often, especially in the last year, um, usually in association with cryptocurrency. So tell us for our listeners who may or may not know, like what is Bitcoin? So Bitcoin is a digital currency. It is, um, a type of internet application, you can think of um, email, a type of application that runs on the internet. Bitcoin is not controlled by a single company. Uh, it, it's something that thousands of computers all over the world can just download and start running on, on their devices. And as a result of its, um, it, of its ability to sort of spread that way, uh, it's used like an online currency. So you have uh, people that use Bitcoin to pay for goods and services. Uh, you have people who use Bitcoin to transfer money internationally. A lot of people are investing in Bitcoin and just holding it like a savings account. That's like what I do. Um, and and it, it really is um, like a financial asset that is a product of the internet. So, um, you know, unlike dollars and euros, which are typically issued by banks and 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 or you know backed by governments and issued by central banks. Uh, Bitcoin is uh, is a product of computing and 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 uh, different computers that are performing uh, a, a program a programmatic function to produce Bitcoin. So it's a bit more egalitarian in who can produce it and uh, who can use it and because it isn't owned by any single organization, it's very resilient to attack. It's been around for over 10 years, well, about 10 years, um, over 10 years. And it has been a, uh, you know, pretty resilient to hacking and, and other types of um, uh, systems that could, that could take down a central, a central money supply. It's really cool. And so you're the product director for blockchain technology at Change Healthcare. Explain kind of blockchain technology in that role and how are you all leveraging that? 
So what makes Bitcoin work is it's like an accounting system for the internet. The, the Bitcoin is not just a digital currency, it's a whole system of, of how the tokens are generated by these computers and how they are tracked as they're transferred from computer to computer, person to person, organization to organization all over the world. So in order to keep track of all of the Bitcoin in the money supply, there is a blockchain, a distributed ledger. Um, it, it's a type of ledger that all of the transactions that make up the Bitcoin network um, is comprised of. And so whenever, um, whenever a person sends Bitcoin, that transaction is recorded to this ledger and the ledger is duplicated and, and synchronized across thousands of computers. So blockchain technology, the idea of using this accounting infrastructure to apply it to other use cases, um, this cropped up in 2015. And so um, with, with the development and launch of Ethereum. So Ethereum is, is kind of, is another program like Bitcoin, um, but Ethereum didn't wanna just focus on being a financial, a financial accounting system uh, Ethereum is more like a, a global computer is how they describe it. And so it, it's uh, for, for computing logic. And so the idea is that you can use this blockchain to account for any type of good that can be represented digitally or any type of uh, process that can be represented digitally. And, and you could use that to um, orchestrate workflows or automation between machines, um, similar to, to how Bitcoin can be transferred between multiple people. So in healthcare, we have, um, we have a lot of different assets that could be represented in, on a blockchain. And we have a lot of centralization of how information is processed and how value is transferred. In fact, healthcare, as most people have experienced, it can still be a pretty much a paper-based process. You can send a fax machine to, to file an insurance claim. You receive an explanation of benefits in the mail. Every time you visit a doctor or a service is charged against your insurance policy. So healthcare has, um, some antiquated forms of communication and information processing that could potentially benefit from having an accounting system that spans the entire industry rather than having an accounting system that's contained within all of these different companies. So some of the value propositions that get thrown around are like uh, tearing down data silos, like the idea that all of these different healthcare companies have information within their walls and they, they're ability to communicate with other healthcare companies is limited by the languages that they speak and, and the fact that the systems are not interoperable. And, and so the idea that each of these systems could run a blockchain ledger and be able to have the same record of information and they could synchronize transactions between these organizations, um, that has a lot of promise in healthcare. So um, change healthcare, the company I work for is a network infrastructure company. We provide network services to health insurance claims processing, to healthcare payments, and electronic health records 
that you know doctors are using to keep track of your clinical data. And we transact with thousands of doctors, thousands of insurance companies. It's a, it's a large company that does quite a bit of volume for the healthcare industry. And so because we're already in the business of providing network infrastructure, we see blockchain technology as another type of network that we could integrate with our systems to provide more streamlined information exchange across the industry, reduce the cost of, of exchanging information and, um, and, and create a more modern internet for the healthcare system. It's a, it's a big, big problem to solve. And, um, and it, it's challenging. Like some of the biggest challenges that we have to think about are, uh, are the fact that there is an individual physician's office in a small town in Kansas. And, you know, they've been doing things a certain way, maybe even for decades. And trying to get that last mile of adoption where the greatest impact can be made is really difficult. So it, it, even if a company, a large company implements some big network change, trying to actually see the adoption happen across the entire landscape and making sure that it's providing value to even you know, the smallest contributor at the edge of the network is, um, is, a, is, a, is a big problem to overcome. <laughs> wow. So tell me about your personal challenges with making this happen, because you're really one of the few people pioneering this in the healthcare industry, right? Yeah, it's been a, uh, it's been an adventure. <laughs> you know, um, personally, when I first got into it, I what I, um, you know, I was more of, and I have been more of a subject matter expert in blockchain technology and how these networks work in the context of Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and this style of application um, design and network design. Um, I didn't really have a lot of domain knowledge, is what we call it, in, in the healthcare industry. Like I, I didn't really... And, I didn't really know how the healthcare uh, systems worked. And I wasn't really intimately familiar with the kinds of problems that they have. And so going from working in the blockchain industry to working in the healthcare industry, I had to, um, I had to learn a lot and, and there is so much to learn. I'm still, um, I'm definitely still a student in understanding healthcare information systems <laughs> and uh, and it's necessary to, to really get that deep in order to design a system that's useful and functional. And so um, some of the challenges are me wanting to see results really fast and wanting to build um, proofs of concepts and products that can go into market as quickly as possible and, and we can grow from there and realizing that, that it, it takes a lot of time to do the necessary research to design the right product. And I'm, I, I struggle with impatience on a lot of these things. Um, but uh, it's also, I think another thing that's been kind of a, a challenge for me is I was really young when I got started in this, working on a technology that nobody understands is, it's an interesting position to be put in when you're sitting across a boardroom of a bunch of guys in suits who've been doing this for 20 years. You know, the kind of conversation that we have is, uh, it, it can get really tense. 
because I, I, I see things the way I see them because I'm a product of my environment and experience and they see things the way they see things because they're a product of their environment and experience. The, the conversations have evolved in the you know seven years that I've been doing this, eight years that I've been doing this. Uh, but early on, it was really hard to um, get people to see past my youth and my passion and see the merit and the truth in the, the technology that, that I was there to talk about. I think, you know, it, people could take one look at me and say, oh, this is just some, you know, upstart uh, technology. It's got a lot of young guns behind it. We don't know how seriously we need to be taking this. But over the years, um, just being consistent, continuing to show up, letting the market prove me right where I couldn't prove myself right. Um, I think that that's, that's really helped uh, with how the conversations go now. I, I think I've definitely earned my stripes amongst some of these, some of these people. Yeah, now that's a really powerful message that I, I hope our audience kind of hears and resonates with because I feel like no matter what industry you go into, no matter what job you have, um, coming in young and, and very passionate can sometimes pose a lot of um, interesting opportunities and some really fun conversations along the way. So I appreciate you kind of sharing your truth with that. So you are a mom. Um, how do you find balance between work and family? I get asked this question a lot, and I think it is something that all women struggle with. And it's not something, it, it's something that's always changing. You know, as soon as you find a balance, your child grows and learns something new. And now, you know, you're in a new territory again and you're having to rebalance. So I think of work-life balance as something that I'm constantly working on as I evolve, as our family grows, as our daughter grows. Uh, so, Initially, it was really hard for me, though, because I was the kind of person who was, I don't want to say it was like a workaholic, but I was very career driven. And prior to having a daughter and, and being you know, married and having a, a family to be thinking about, I was just very career oriented. I would you know, get up at six in the morning and I'd be on my email before I even got out of bed. I would work way late. I would go to happy hours with my coworkers and I was living, um, I was really living a, a very blurred line between personal life and professional life. And, and I was very invested in my career and in my self-image um, as a professional individual. And so when I had uh, a baby, um, this was also like right around the time that I, that we were getting married. So we got married, we had a baby, we bought a house. There were a lot of changes that took place in a really short amount of time and adjusting to that was a challenge for me. And so I had to think about, it's kind of like working out where you can't just think about your end goal or you will be miserable during the daily work that's required to get to your end goal. Um, so I, instead of trying to think about like who I would rather be and then and and then wanting to um, like pursue that ideal, I focused on the things that that person would be doing and then trying to do as many of those things as I could every day. So um, I, I, I identified you know, three things that I think the ideal working mom would have going on. She would be 
working out and would have a healthy social life. And she, in my case, would be also working on creative projects that are fulfilling to, to her creative sense because I'm a creative person and um, working on creative projects makes me feel good. So, um, so, you know, I, I don't have time every day to work a full-time job, be super plugged in with my daughter and um, attentive to, to my family and be social and work out and be creative. But I can try to do two of those things every day or at least one of those things every day. And so focusing on, um, you know, whether I make it to a class for yoga or if I call, my friends and I catch up with them, or if I um, spend some time like journaling or painting or working on something digital, if I could just focus on those little tasks every day, it would help me reclaim a sense of myself while also, um, you know, not getting caught up in the, the sort of banalities of, um, of domestic life. And so um, that was something that, that really helped me stay afloat. And then um, it became a really good basis for trying to organize my my routine. Wow, I love that, and I feel like that's so. Uh, I feel like I it, you touched on like everything that I was thinking, and and I'm not a mom, but being that kind of workaholic, at least I can say that for myself at times, right? <laughs> I can admit that. Um, kind of just being career focused at times, it's it's really hard to find intentional time for even sometimes the people that you love the most. And I think that's so important and so needed to have some intentional time that's carved out to really celebrate yourself and those around you, the big wins, the little wins, you know, how do you take time to celebrate wins for yourself? You know, I think that it's, it really is important to celebrate yourself when you can for, you know, I think for me, this is something that I, I have to really work hard to carve out. I almost have to give myself permission to, um, to you know, treat myself or, yes. uh, or do something like purely self-interested. And so um, what I realized is that there, you know, it's not like my husband or my daughter or even my job is saying that I can't do these things. They, they all want me to. It's really telling myself like, you can take the time to do this and, and you should um, because you deserve it. And um, so, you know, everybody's motivated a little bit differently. I tend to be socially and financially motivated. So if I'm spending money on something, I will show up because I don't want to waste my money. If I am doing something that involves other people, I'll show up because I don't want to lose face. <laughs> and so um, uh, recently I started um, I started working with like at a private gym with a personal trainer and, um, it was something that I really wanted to do because I want to feel confident and strong. And with this pandemic, it's been like a year since I was really in a gym and, or going to yoga classes regularly, but, um, but I wanted to be doing that, you know, right now and, and specifically, you know, this summer, I want to feel really strong and confident in myself. And so, uh, so I signed up for this like program and, and I paid for it up front. And so now it's like, I'm going to these classes because I'm going to get my money's worth of this. <laughs> and also, you know, when I'm on the other side of this program, I'm going to be proud that I did it. And, um, and then the rest of it is just uh, you know, adjusting my schedule so that I can make time to do that without 
taking away from other things. But I, I found that it, it was easier for me to make the commitment that I thought and, and then just through there, uh, like working through the awkwardness of, uh, of, of adding something new to your routine. But uh, that's how I work. <laughs> yes. And I feel like when you take time to celebrate yourself and you know, show a little love to yourself, you care for others so much more and better, right? Like, I feel like it kind of has a trickle down effect when you take time to breathe and to, to do the things that you need to do to set yourself up. Like it definitely has like a, a, a trickle down effect, I think. So that's really cool that you're taking time to do that for you, especially in a challenging year that we've had. So good for you. I love that. It can be really hard to, uh, to celebrate yourself or nurture yourself, but it, it's necessary because we all need to feel nurtured and taken care of. And when you're the mom or, or when you're the working mom or you're just the hardworking girl, you know, girl boss, whatever, mm-hmm. um, you spend so much time, you know, in a, in a position of nurturing others or, or working hard for your work. And um, and if you don't take time to like show yourself that level of care, it can be, it can create tensions, insecurities, a feeling of um, not being appreciated. And, uh, and I think it's really important to appreciate yourself first and, and kind of set the, set the bar there for making sure that your basic needs are met uh, emotionally, mentally. And, and then from there, uh, it takes the pressure off of everything else in life to be fulfilling to you. That was something that was such a hard lesson for me. Um, you know, becoming becoming a mom is is I realized that I was always seeking for my career to be the primary source of fulfillment and confidence that that I was getting. You know, I was so competitive and I was working so hard, and um, and and I wanted to feel like empowered by this but I always felt you know like no matter how hard I work it's you know I could have done something better I started having really perfectionist you know expectations around myself and when I became a mom I realized that there are lots of different avenues for contentment and confidence and self-fulfillment in our lives and um and it doesn't have to all come from one place it doesn't have to come from just hard work so it was nice to be able to slow down a little bit and, um, and compartmentalize and, and think about the different things that we spend our time on and what they're doing for us. So, um, so yeah, I, it's been a process for me to even learn to take time for myself, but, um, but it's something that I do now because it doesn't just benefit me, but everyone else around me. <laughs> Looking back, if you had written a letter and placed it in a time capsule, what would you have told your younger self? Yeah, you know, um, I would have definitely told my younger self to buy more Bitcoin and not sell it all. Um, so I would have given myself some financial advice that I, I needed um, now that I have the future perspective to guide me. My advice to my younger self would have been to, um, to really, I think it kind of goes back to uh, what I was saying about fulfillment is is you know don't look for your career to be the source of all fulfillment in your life. Um, otherwise, you're putting an unnecessary burden on yourself and on your job to make you the happiest that you can be and to help you fulfill your truest potential. Um, at the end of the day, uh, 
you know, life can provide a lot of different things. And so I, I think that I was so singularly focused when I was getting out of college that I just wanted to find the best job because that would provide me with the most opportunities to fulfill my potential. And, um, you know, I let a lot of personal relationships slip um, and I lost, you know, I feel like there's time that I can't get back that if I had had a better presence of mind, I could have maybe spent that better with my family, with my friends. But, um, but uh, I also just wasted a lot of time pursuing, you know, competitiveness and meaning in, in work that was good work to do. But I felt like other people that were around me, they had a better sense of work-life balance. Like they, they, um, they knew when to turn off and, um, and to like, you know, be present in the moment. So I just was uh, not, not quite thinking that way. So I think my future, my current self, looking back to my younger self, that would be some advice that I would offer. That's great advice. Absolutely great advice. I'm still taking some of those notes right now. I'm like, oh, I need to focus on that a little bit more. So it is now time for the Leading Ladies We Love rapid fire game. Drum roll, please. So Emily, this is kind of a quick, like rapid fire game, like I mentioned. I'm going to list adjectives of like women that we love who are like leading in their industries or at home or in their community. And I'm gonna say a list of adjectives and I would love for you to respond with shout out to one of your friends, family, um, hero, whoever it may be. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So I'm gonna say hero. A hero would be my mom. Oh my gosh, especially since uh, having a baby. Uh, she has just shown up every single time I've asked for help, and uh, and she has always worked so hard to provide for us and to pursue her own self. So uh, she's definitely my hero. Brilliant. Okay, brilliant. Um, definitely, I think Madeline Mann is brilliant. Uh, she is a good friend of mine who um, who I used to work with, and and she now has her own. Uh, podcast and uh, LinkedIn learning uh, content and she focuses on the self-made millennial and like advice for for um, millennials who are navigating their career. That's awesome. Powerhouse. Yes. Powerhouse. Um, my friend Danny, she just had a baby and she is a powerhouse like she takes on so much with her work and right now being a new mom and just the in intensity and focus that she pursues life with has made her you know unstoppable inspiring um you know i have always been really inspired by jk rowling i just love her story of um being a single mom struggling financially and and discovering this creative story inside of her that became the Harry Potter series you know scrawling it on the back of a napkin while riding on a train and then the next thing you know she's one of the richest women in the UK um, I just I and she did this when she was in her like mid to late 30s so I just think that's such a great story of like inspiration being able to find you at any moment in your life and just you know having the having the, the like commitment to stick with it and finish your story and really pursue your creative ends um, I've always been very inspired by by her story and her success 
Okay, next word is leader. So I think Anne Washtiki, uh, uh, the CEO of 23andMe, is a really cool leader. I mean, she's an entrepreneur. She started 23andMe when the whole idea of consumer genetics services was relatively new. And I have I just, I've heard her speak a few times at conferences and, and on podcasts, and I think that she has a really good knack for leadership and building a, a company culture that um, has produced a, a fantastic product. And I, uh, I like the decisions that she's made with 23andMe, especially with regards to consumer privacy and protecting her, you know, her users and their best interests. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, Emily. Um, before we go, please tell our listeners how they can find you. Yeah, so um, my social on Twitter is bitsmash, uh, B-I-T smash. <laughs> and uh, I'm also on LinkedIn uh, under bitsmash. You can find me on there. Also, Emily Bailey. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate your time and um it is always a joy to get to speak with you and, and hear your story. Yeah, I'm happy to help. I'm excited for you to get this started. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us anywhere you can listen to our podcast. And don't forget to check out our show notes to find out other ways to connect. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.